0: Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I interview movement enthusiasts to find out who they are, what they do, and why they do it. In this episode, PK Move founders Nancy Lorenz, Jean Lamb, and Rosie Noguchi sit down to discuss everything PK Move, how they started, the challenges they face as a nonprofit, and the unique relationship they have with their community. The team explains PK Move’s mission, the specific groups they serve and the programs they run, including their PK Silver Seniors program. They unpack the details of the recent study conducted on the PK Silver program before delving into the pop-up playground program and their current goals and opportunities. Hello, I'm Craig Constantine.
1: Hello. 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 Let's let's not do that again, ever. (laughs) For the history of PK Summer, we're done with
0: that. More seriously. Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. (laughs)
2: Hi, I'm
0: Nancy Lorenz. <laughs> Hi, Nancy Lorenz. Nancy Lorenz is a mover, artist, educator, cancer survivor, and mom of three. She was introduced to parkour in 2011 and continues to be amazed by where it has taken her. Nancy is one of the three founders and the catalyst of the Alexandria based PK Move and its executive director. Welcome, Nancy.
2: Thanks for having us, Craig.
0: My pleasure. Jean Lamb is a fitness professional and has been in the field for nearly two decades. Her wide array of certifications has allowed her to work with all ages and abilities, from children to senior citizens. Jean has worked with many different areas of fitness and types of movement, most recently as a ski instructor at Liberty Mountain, as well as in the aerial arts and the PK Move Board. Welcome, Jean.
1: Thank you. Thanks for coming down here.
0: Rosie Noguchi is a coach, tresus, and board member of PK Move. Her first introduction to parkour was through her mother and led to her becoming a coach as well as a leader in the local women's community. Rosie co-founded PK Move to share this diverse discipline and community that she is so passionate about. Welcome.
3: Thank you. Good to be here.
0: Nancy, I think you are the person that the most number of people have asked me to go interview. So first, I want to say thanks for sitting down and for making the time. Can you give me just a glimpse into how you went from cancer survivor and mom? I'm really interested in what caused you to dive into creating this PK move thing and creating the team and getting it all set up.
2: Well, I I think just getting into parkour at all was kind of almost surprising for me because I kind of did it as a joke at the at the <laughs> outset. Right. I hate to say that. No, it's good. But it was, and we can talk about that another time maybe. But um, I really was a complete couch potato when I started at Urban Evolution uh, at their Alexandria location. They were very nice with me and really helped me be able to get through the classes. But the first class was very difficult. And... Um, I think I was surprised at myself that I wanted to go back. Because I thought <laughs> I think most Classicist. people, yeah, they would say if they were feeling that bad and couldn't walk down their steps after their first time of mm-hmm. trying something, they might say, This mm-hmm. is not for me. But I thought, why can't I get over those three foot boxes? Mm-hmm. I, I I just it occurred to me that uh I just I had to go back because I had to get to a certain level to feel Good about myself in that in that way I just had i just couldn't believe that I was unable to do these small things and so, that led you to
0: this giant opening of ideas and passions. but have you created things before like wh- where did p k move come from? Uh,
2: I would say that my background is in education, and um I have my master's in education so and i've been teaching for a number of years before that I was always working in some aspect of education mm-hmm. when my husband was in the army i worked in the education office so i was counseling or helping soldiers in their transition out of the army things like this i am really good at organizing things i think mm-hmm. and and starting things so i've been i've run girl scout sort of troops like played i've run right into your
0: skill set <laughs> i think so.
2: so you know that's that is my, I think my, my skill is seeing an opportunity and seeing where, to, where something could possibly go.
0: So Jean, as we're going to wind up with all three of you working together and talking about this project, I'm going to start with the same question that I'm asking Nancy, which is how did you get into this parkour space and that led you into PK move and just give me a, an unpack of that.
1: Okay. So I got into fitness about thirty years ago. I lost about forty or fifty pounds and I just kind of kept it up. And so I was really I was pretty fit by the time I joined, I wanted to do parkour. I sat on TV and thought it was the coolest thing. So I dragged my son to class and um he didn't want to go, but he actually ended up loving it and he still does it out in LA. And so that's where I met Nancy, who was this mythical Nancy Lawrence. She's amazing. You have to meet her. And every time I'd go there, they'd say, you have to meet Nancy. I'm like, I haven't seen her anywhere. But when we finally met, we just kind of clicked and kind of trained for a long time together there. So it was a a great program. Terrific.
0: And Rosie, the same question for you. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got into parkour and how that led you into Nancy's sphere of influence? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I'd love to. So my mom was actually looking for a silks, pro, an aerial silks program, and she came across the local gym in Alexandria. And I think that she never really took a silks class. She just started taking parkour. So when I was in college and I came back for spring break of my senior year, she took me to a... Uh, Ninja Warrior competition that they were hosting. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. But I was so taken aback by how effortlessly the, uh, the contestants were like going over vault boxes. And I was really wanted to do that. So when I went back to college, I looked at the listserv. I found the parkour club. They let me, they were super nice and they let me kind of tag along, even though I couldn't even do a forward role. And then when I graduated, I moved back to Alexandria and I started taking classes. That's where I met Nancy through my mom and yeah, I just kind of we started training together, and then we uh, decided that we wanted to look bigger.
0: Multiple people have asked me, "Go talk to Nancy, go talk to Rosie, go talk to Jean," because PK Move is doing really terrific things. So, can somebody, one of you, please give me a bit of a view of the buffet of like what is the mission and what pieces do you have in place, and maybe where are you going? So the people who don't know about PK Move can get an overview.
2: Well, I think that when we started PK Move, there were certain things from the outset that we we did a business plan. We actually originally thought we would just be a business. Mm-hmm. But as we got more into constructing the curriculum, we realized that it would not be economically sustainable to just it, it would cost so much money. And there are people out there that have the money to pay for those kind of classes. Right. But that's not who we were trying to serve. We you So who know, was
0: your, they call it your avatar. Who's your avatar? Who's the person that you were visualizing and saying, well, how do we service that person? What does that person look like?
1: Would you want to answer that, Jean? I'm just thinking of one of the participants who've been, who's been with us from the very, very beginning. And she's just grown so much in confidence and so much in, in, in um, strength over the past two years, it's incredible. Um, Her husband went through some problems and she's been able to nurse him back. And it's awesome to see that she's so confident that she believes in herself to do that. I would say one of my favorite anecdotes from that student
2: is uh, maybe three or four months after she was training with us, she said, I have to share with you something that happened. I was cooking dinner in this big heavy cast iron stew pot that i have and my husband came in and he said "oh my god what are you doing?" and she said "what i'm cooking dinner" and he <laughs> said <Dinner. laughs> he said "you have never been able to lift that stew pot out of the cupboard" And that's when she realized how much stronger she had right. had become. And it, it's just really interesting. These are very small things, but they make a big difference in people's lives.
0: Well, yeah, they're they're only small. From I don't like I, I don't want to like pigeonhole people, but for the people who are twenty and who everybody thinks of stereotypically as the people who do parkour, for those people, yes, a stew pot is easy to pick up. But for everybody else on the planet who's spent 40 or 50 years and hasn't been physically active, those little things, that's what we call life. Like being able to trip and fall and be like, oops, I fell over, as opposed to, oops, 911. Like that's a huge thing. And that's what I think people find most interesting about what you guys have accomplished with PK Move is that you've been able to take the, the, nut the center, the interesting part of parkour and apply it in a way that helps people's lives. So I guess my question is, it's one thing to go to a parkour class and to realize how it helps you, but you don't have these stories when you're starting, when you're starting, you have an idea. Like, I think parkour could help people in my age cohort kind of thing. How, who, like, how did you decide that we, we really could do this? Like, how did you decide let's approach you know the first municipal organization. How, like, I keep unpacking this idea further.
1: <laughs> this is from Nancy. Nancy is such a dreamer, and she has so many different ideas, and she just kind of puts it all out there, and 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 doesn't just say, "Oh, I can't do it." It's just, "How can I make this happen?" So um, she approached uh, the Parks and Rec. And got the programs with the schools, and we did the little intro classes for the for seniors, and got the parks to say yes, you can come do it in our parks, and that kind of thing. So she, it was really a lot of her, again, saying, being the catalyst, like
0: initiative and yes. organizational uh-huh. mindset.
2: Maybe? I would say we we identified what we wanted to do. We thought a program for people who were not maybe necessarily very active um for instance the study we just completed they were 120 minutes of exercise maximum per week or you know or less right. so
0: to be to qualify to participate they had to be yes. under 2 hours
2: yes so that is a big thing that i think people need to understand about our classes we we sometimes do have somebody show up that is very athletic you know a 65 year old person that's very athletic has been training all through the years and We'll, we will say to them, "You're welcome to stay, but you may want to go to, you know, a different a different gym because we can make things harder for them, you know, more challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not really going to deviate too far from our lesson plan."
0: Everybody that I talk to in the younger age, they use the idea that parkour can help people in their life. Everybody says that. I know of one group that has actually produced a program that not only tried to do that, but then also actually did real research that showed that that actually works. So I think there's something very subtle going on here and it's not, I don't mean subtle like parkour movement is good for people. I mean, subtle, like the three of you coming together, there's something magical that happened that somehow the three of you supported each other to make this happen. And I'm i am just wondering if you're just being too nice about- <laughs>
2: Well, I, I would say that one thing, and maybe Rosie can talk about this a little bit more, but um, one thing we always open with at al- almost all our meetings and um, we- go back to it all the time, is our mission statement, um, which is to share the transformative power of parkour because each one of us can see. I mean, for me, this was the catalyst for me is that how it it was um, transformative in my life and helped me. And that's something I would like to share with other people. And then why should we form this? We already have lovely gyms in our area. We have Urban Evolution, we have APK, there's um Dynamic or whatever that one is up in Maryland. There are there are gyms around here, but we really wanted to find a way to to go to people. We wanted to go to them, people who had some barrier to getting to the gym. There are other problems once they get to the gym. Like they might not they might not like The look of the parkour gym, they might not look like so many kids running around. You know, there are other things there Mm -hmm. that have nothing to do with this. But these people have a barrier. Sometimes it is
1: financial. Sometimes it is... Being being intimidated, right? Like you were saying, people are really young and fit. Mm -hmm. And do I want to walk into this gym? And it's really hard to make that first step in any gym, not even just a parkour gym. But parkour gym is that much more much higher of a level.
2: What do you think, Rosie? Can you think of any other barriers of our students have had?
3: Yeah, I I was going to actually just say that if I recall correctly, it was your diagnosis. is what, right around the time when you started developing the plans, it was around the time of the diagnosis. So our initial programs were for seniors and for survivors. And also uh, we had the idea for veterans as well. We haven't really developed that program yet. But um, then we were thinking other underserved populations, including kids. I mean, you know, usually you'd think, yeah, kids love jumping around on stuff and, you know, they can go and do this wherever they want, but sometimes they do need guidance. And uh, we decided that there are plenty of, you know, there are schools and everything out there and we would love to help all the schools who want parkour program. So we're mostly interested in, you know, the underserved populations. And there are still so many uh, kids who are not getting the same opportunities just based on, you know, where they're going to school. So pretty much I was just so thinking the,
0: that. So you've identified clearly yeah. two. So the first one was financial and the second one was the, what do you want to call that? You walk in the door and the intimidation, the intimidation factor. factor yeah. So of course yeah. I, I want to say, who wants to tell me how did you solve the financial problem and how did you solve the intimidation problem?
2: Well, I would say the financial problem
1: is something that we're still dealing with. <laughs>
0: oh, rats. I thought you had the secret
1: there. No, <laughs> we, ha- we have a, a highly voluntary, like most of ours, our coaches are volunteers. We do have a couple of grants now that Nancy's been able to get that pays for some of the coaches, but like Rosie and Nancy and um, um, Rosie's mom, they all coach for free.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah, a number of our coaches. They all give in
2: volunteer hours. So we have so far uh, been awarded four grants, which is pretty good considering that we're a yeah. relatively young nonprofit. And this is a way through grants and donations that we have been able to pay for our uh, insurance. We have been um, – we are a wolf gym. Mm-hmm. You know, where that's our certifying – Body and they they have been really good with um, cutting us breaks on some of our like our renewal fees and stuff like that. They've been they've been very supportive in that way. So um, that has helped us a lot to keep our costs down. Uh, I'm trying to think what else.
1: Can I add that we are legally a 501c3 and we do accept donations mm-hmm. and people can write them off on taxes and things like that. So something pkmove org if you want to help out. <laughs> Certainly. Well, I
0: was going to say, so you, um, the, I was going to say, so do you actively seek out donations? I mean, other than mentioning it now, which is perfectly fine, but I'm like, that's a, do you, um, how, how do you actually do that? Like you don't just literally pass a hat because the people who are there, you know, they have a financial, the money isn't in the room with the students. So how do you solicit donations uh, if you do? And
1: Friends and family. Friends and family. And then Nancy wants to talk about St. Elmo's um, coffee yeah. shop has been a huge sponsor of ours. If you want to talk about what they've done, yeah,
2: we have really uh, the Delray Business Association, which is the neighborhood—not this neighborhood that we're in, but it's a—it's a, where you guys live, right? Mm-hmm. Rosie lives there, and um, it's they, a really
3: tight community. It's, so. They take their uh, businesses and local organizations very seriously, seriously. yeah. yeah.
2: And some dear friends of mine, uh, Larry and Christine Ponzi, own a coffee shop there, which is kind of like they call it the living room of Delray. Everybody hangs out there. And they have been such great supporters of ours. I would say that um, this fundraising aspect is something that most people don't understand how much is required and I certainly did not when when we started this I had this magical idea that we would have all these grants and you know everything <laughs> and and no we're we are just really lucky because almost all of our coaches have other jobs and then they give the coaching hours give time. they give it to they give it to PK Move if they did not give it at the beginning and even now we I don't know how we would be able to be, do to what we're it together, doing. Put together, right? Yeah. So, and I mean, like, I'm just going to bring myself as an example, but it's also Gene and Rosie. Um, we do all our work. I mean, when you're on a board, you don't get paid on a nonprofit board. But as the executive director, I have never taken a dime from PK Move, and that actually has to change because if I, if we all want this to go on. Someone has to take has my to spot. Be
0: sustainable, yes. right. And,
2: and, and that means that this spot has to be paid because I don't think anyone else would be crazy <laughs> enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, or have as understanding a spouse as I do and supportive a spouse to, uh, to go through this. So that is kind of, we just did our big strategic plan for the next three years. And that's a big thing that we're gonna be working toward. We had a really rough time with our very first grant because it was a matching grant. I mean, mm-hmm. we're so glad that we got it, but that was... That year of fundraising,
1: Gene and Rosie, you can talk about it. I thought I was going to lose my mind, but I. Everything under the sun we did. I think I did a, a boot camp where we raised money for that. We did um, the Del Rey, I mean, the um, St. Elmo's did a few fundraisers for us. You're in bingo. And, yeah, things that were just uh, yeah, way out there that we never thought we'd be doing, but it brought in a lot of money. Uh, oh, Rosie, yeah. you ran oh, yeah, one?
3: Well, yeah, we did one at a trampoline park where they, they have some sort of fundraising program, so they let us do a fundraiser at the trampoline park.
2: <laughs> but we, it was really scraping together yeah. the money. It was a so we,
3: Podge, Yeah. <laughs> and and at the end of
2: the year, I, I told them, I need to take next year off from fundraising. We sold the t-shirts too, remember? We sold the t-shirts too. We, it, it was just too much for me. I calculated how many hours I personally put toward fundraising. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> and it was like, I should have just written the check for it. That's how I felt at the end. But it was more than that. It's getting the community involved with your... Well,
0: right. You're also doing the community outreach and you're you're raising awareness (laughs) of the project at the same time that you're pestering them for money. But you are actually also marketing, even though you don't think of it that way. So the second big hurdle that you mentioned earlier was that the intimidation factor of people like walking into a gym. So the first question I have is where do you run the classes? Obviously there's different classes run different times, but can you first paint me a picture of the different venues? And then the the follow-on question is for each of those places where you're running a class, how did you get in there? Do you pay for it? Did you beg or like, is it the, is it a reciprocity thing from a municipality? So where do you teach all your classes and how did you get access
3: so initially, um, we started, I guess it was in the spring, it was in fair weather. So um, we started working with the city, we signed an MOU with the city of Alexandria. A
0: memorandum of Understanding? Yes.
3: Yes. So... Um, <laughs> So they're allowing us to teach a class in Fort Ward Park, which is essentially a lot of people go, like, they walk around.
0: High visibility, right? Yeah,
3: it's in a park, but it's quiet. It's got tons of trees. It's got picnic tables. And it's got a little uh, road where a lot of people walk and walk their dogs. So it's a really nice spot. Um, And then we also initially started our program at a workout park, which had a combination of children's play equipment as well as just calisthenic equipment that was in a new park in Alexandria so that they let us use those two spots um to sort of activate the the parks
0: and so- how did you get so Emma, You how did you like I know what an MOU is, mm-hmm. but how did you get an MOU? Did you like go to City Hall and like knock on the door and say, or like, how did, what's the path to that? Because I, I think you guys have blazed a trail here that I don't think has been done before mm-hmm. in the States that I know of. So every little breadcrumb that you can drop, like, oh, here's how we actually got in the door of City Hall to get an MOU.
1: Nancy totally took over that and did a great job with that. I cannot speak for other parkour gyms, and
2: I don't know how they do it because I know we're not the only ones offering outdoor classes, but I have had many people email me over the years saying, how do you get to do these outside? Because a lot of parkour insurances apparently do not allow that. And to be honest, this is something that uh, USA Parkour, the insurance company, really worked with us and we kind of geared it up slowly. So first they, they said, we will allow you to do this you will see how it goes, and we did it in one park. We have we have restrictions, like we have to have a certain area that is like contained clear and, yes. and
0: delineated. So this is the exactly. space, right?
2: And um, we, you know, we have to do all the things you do in a gym. You have your waivers and all that kind of thing. So we have our little box, our little office that we mm-hmm. bring out. But before we could get to that point. We really the beginning was a little bit of a dance. the The uh, Parks and Rec department did not really know what parkour was, and it took them a while to understand and also trust us. Mm-hmm. So we had to show our it's a new relationship. We had to show our uh, certifications. I they came out to our class. I think If she came out to our class. Maybe we did class. We've done classes for them for Parks and employees specifically mm-hmm. and it just very slowly started to get more and more trust and we were actually out there developing the MOU because they told us this was a brand new thing for them too mm-hmm. so i don't know it may be the first one of its kind
0: for that in the municipality States. or something
2: well i don't think there's anyone else that has made a like basically now we're at the point where we can go anywhere in alexandria I just have to call parks and rec and clear that there's not another in any park.
0: Right, and they I, clear it through their hurdles, which are- Well, li- in you case know. there's some
2: other activity <laughs> yeah, going the, on there. And then they say, Nancy, you're good for such and such date, whatever. And then maybe we take a field trip with our class or whatever on that Right, date. a little
0: reconnoiter. Yeah. So what was the, if you can remember, what was the first, I always call it the first date. What was the first date? So you're standing in the park, you're like, this would be a cool place to run classes and we could use this space and this space. And here's, now you see the vision of what you want to do there what was the first contact with the city
2: i think the first contact with the city they actually told us to go to this park because it was in a like a low income neighborhood it was a brand new park they had just refurbished it mm-hmm. and they wanted it this is their term they wanted it activated
0: oh, yeah. All right, so my question is wait, that means they approached you first. How did they know you existed? How did they find you? See what I'm trying to, do? I'm trying to find like what's the first action?
2: I think I you approached went. them, mm-hmm. but I was not looking at that park. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we were always looking at Fort Ward. We were always mm-hmm. looking at Fort Ward, and they kind of said, no, we'd rather have you over here. So, Fort unknown, Ward is a, yeah, like so a unknown historic,
0: to you, mm-hmm. unknown to you. They had a need that you didn't realize. So, I'm like, now, like, 2020 hindsight if somebody saw a need that the municipality wasn't aware of. So if I look at my local community park, I have a local park, and it seems like it needs new tennis nets, I actually could approach them and suggest, On this is me asking out loud, I could suggest them... Like, you could activate this park by doing X or Y, or I would love to help you do this. So, like, it really sounds like serendipity really worked out here where you <laughs> approached them and they said, oh, well, that's the wrong park. You need to go to this park over here. It's like, that's really like an alignment of the stars. But it sounds like you possibly could have noticed that they were refurbishing that park and thought, hey, maybe we could go there. And then you might have been able to approach them
2: that way. At the end of the day, I don't know if you guys remember this, but... um, I don't know if we were officially incorporated by that point or not, but um, we were, they had not totally finished that park. The equipment was all in, but the planting was not. And they actually asked if we would like to help finish the park. And it was awesome because I just put out an email mm-hmm. and, you know, it's like the community, a lot of people came out and we dug the holes. We we helped them plant the trees there. Yeah, we gave a whole bunch of time to that uh effort. I think there was like eight of us that came out and helped. I mean, there were like a hundred yeah, people there shows. helping, but we, we right, were there. But eight people
0: from your group, so mm-hmm. when whoever was there from the municipality, they look at it and they're like, Oh look, it's here's Nancy and Nancy's crew and there's Nancy's random people. Like so the the you're, the story you're telling me seems to be that it's, um, you know, every little bit that you did, then they were able to trust you a little bit more as you did that. So it's all about how long overall do you think it was to develop that relationship to where you are now?
3: What do you think, well, Rosie? Well, I was going to say like within a year, we, we applied for the partnership. So,
0: mm-hmm. so like a year of concerted effort on, you know, like where you're paying attention to them. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, it's all a
1: blur. Um, yeah. This is I mean, why I we're think,
0: picking it apart.
1: And part of it is that um, I think we had some agreement that we would give them a percentage of what we made. But at that point, we were volunteering our time and making nothing. So it wasn't like we were giving a, a big check or anything, right? But it was still that they knew that we were there and we were teaching their people their, their, and working with them. Right. So. And it was uh, very important for them to know that we had
2: insurance, mm-hmm. that we were certified. Right. and Safe. And that we were safe. They were very concerned about liability. So this this was a huge packet of stuff I had to take mm-hmm. to them, and I had many meetings with them uh, just kind of feeling out the situation before we got to that, that MOU. And then they had to – I mean, we don't have a lawyer, so they had to write up the MOU, and then we had to study it, and it just – everything took so long. But Rosie's right. After about a year – they came to us and said, we're starting this new program. It's a grant, a community grant program. It's a matching grant. And we would invite you to and apply, to, for, to this apply for it. Fits. And that was our first grant that we actually mm-hmm. applied for because this is another thing I didn't know. When you're a nonprofit, you can't apply for a grant the first year. They want to see...
0: Right, your, your first returns, they want to see your books yes. after one year,, yeah.
2: so we couldn't do. i I thought we'd hit the ground running. I'm like, oh
3: <laughs> we can't do waiting. anything, yeah, <laughs>
1: right.
2: So the second year we applied for that, and we did
1: get it, so and that was the year of the fundraising, and one of our <laughs> participants actually was um a big proponent of us and talked to the board and talked to the partnership about what a great program we have. So it was so nice to have someone who'd been through our program push for us, and that's—I'm guessing—that's yeah. that's a
0: citizen of that of Alexandria, so it was not just a random person.
1: And actually,
2: Gene, mm-hmm. if you will remember, he was not a participant he when he first advocated oh, for right, us. Yes, right. He <laughs> liked our presentation. Uh-huh. That's an ally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then he okay. said, "I'm going to go and check out the class." It was kind of—I think he was doing some research to feedback to mm-hmm. to that committee, and um, he really liked it. And now mm-hmm. he's actually on our board.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah fast forward two three
0: years come to the dark yeah. side we have cookies right, right. Yeah. <laughs> We actually do have cookies yeah.
2: yeah.
1: gene <laughs> makes great cookies yeah. say <laughs> that
0: all right that's that's good I, I wanted uh-huh. to like uh,
1: can we talk about taking it indoors though also I'd like to talk about monarca Yes yeah. So yeah as it as it got colder then we can't have people outside, especially you know this kind of weather. So I was teaching at an aerial silk studio, Menarca in Flight. And Alco Watson-Torres, who runs the studio, and it was new, offered us space during the day so we could bring our people inside and we work there. And so it's been two, three years. that Every winter from the time it gets cold until it warms up a little bit, we're in his space. And he's given us space to do trainings and to do coaching and things like that. So very, yeah, very nice. So Mm -hmm.
0: that's an interesting um, crossover of opportunity there where it sounds like that, and maybe I'm wrong, but that sounds like mm-hmm. that space is underutilized during the day. So it's yes. basically uh-huh. cost him nothing to just unlock the door or give you access right. so that you we could spin this as an actionable. You could search for those kinds of spaces if you're able to teach your classes in that time frame when it's underutilized is... Uh, so, what types of classes do you teach there? Like, is it the older age bracket? It's not going to be the kids who would be in school.
1: It's the older age bracket, but we could theoretically, because we have the puppet playground now, do things indoors too. We actually consider doing camps and things like that as a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's possible because it's it's the space is really empty in the morning.
0: So, you have that you have that indoor space, and mm-hmm. you have one. But I mean, it's expanded out of multiple parks. But you have that outside park space and the indoor space. Is there anywhere else that you're regularly running classes?
2: Uh, yes. Yeah. So the parks and rec have been just a uh, wonderful support to us. And they have also given us free space at their various rec centers. So we used a lot of that space during the study mm-hmm. because we had to do um, intakes where we we did fitness tests on people. So we would book out rooms, you know, for the whole morning All and things right. like this. So it's been great. A nice thing about our our program and what we're doing is that we don't really
1: need anything other than a room.
0: Right. A room in a box and some paperwork and pens and off we go. Right. Yep.
1: right. The benefit of parkour, right? Whatever you have, you use.
0: Let's back out of talking about where you organize all your classes. And the PK Silver program is well known in that I think a lot of people know the name, but I don't think people really understand exactly what it is that it's a parkour class, but dot, dot, dot. So can you unpack a little bit and tell me what the class looks like and what your target students are?
1: So one thing with um, PK Silver and what we've done is that a lot of us have a background or, or certifications in senior fitness and also in fitness and then in parkour. So we could, were able to combine it, it all. We didn't just take parkour moves and said, say, let's just make it a little bit easier. It was like, what is safe and effective for people who are deconditioned and over 60? So mm-hmm. we have a very specific program So when we did our study, we also had Sean Hanna, who is the exercise physiologist, also a um, trusser, who helped develop exactly like this is the kind of thing we should do. This is what we shouldn't do. This is how we'll translate the parkour move into a safe movement for seniors. Mm -hmm.
2: Rosie, did you want to add anything to that? I, I think I personally would like to add PK Silver is really an introduction to parkour for an older adult who has been inactive for a period. It really has a very um, kind of formal step-by-step process. Mm -hmm. The, The movements that we do, this is actually, we did trademark this as well. We trademarked our program. So like you can say, Nancy, that's just a squat. And I will say, yes, that is a squat. But where we put it in here, and right. this order is that that is kind of like a long choreography mm-hmm. and that is what it has to be like that in order to be studied right. there has to be consistency and if we want to spread this program and know that it's going to be safe and effective reproducible. they have to follow right. the classes
0: and and before or earlier we were talking about the intimidation that students might face if they went into even even if you go into a parkour gym that we're running a class specifically for their age group, there's still an intimidation factor. And I'm wondering, is the way you've set up the program designed to like assuage that fear? Like, because you still, you still have an intimidation factor. Now I'm in Ariel Silk's gym with big mirrors and harmony. Like, how do you get them to come in and actually engage with you? That's part of what PK Silver is doing.
1: I think PK Silver is a small group, first of all. So it's much easier to walk into than a big group gym where people already know each other. So we don't have a lot of people. And plus they've contacted Nancy or contacted somebody before they walked in the door. So we're looking for you now, you know, you come in the door, Oh, you're, you know, whatever. Oh, welcome. And we talk about what we're doing. So there's a definitely a more of a welcoming thing. And plus everyone in the classes are also very accepting and they'll talk to you when they help you out, when you, when they need help. I I think that this is
2: a very interesting issue to deal with, with for other gyms, because I feel that parkour gyms in general are very welcoming and open. I don't think you could... I mean, that's a hallmark of a pa- yeah, parkour of community. of
0: space in those communities.
2: Yeah. It's just being welcoming, whether they're in a park or wherever. Normally, people are just very nice. If mm-hmm. you come up, they're very inclusive and and very nice. But they're still looking at it from their point of view. So some things that we may do different is music. Mm-hmm. The music might be different than what you have at a, normally at a parkour gym. Mm-hmm. And even the volume of music might be different. Can you think,
3: ladies think of any other things that we do a bit differently? I would say that being outside in the natural environment when it's fair weather is something that uh, a lot of our participants really, really embrace. They really like being outside. And, uh, you know, I guess it's just... Not even by design, but it's just the way that it is. Is that uh, you know we're usually somewhat alone when we're training at you know ten a.m. on a Wednesday, so there isn't you not know, a lot of, not, yeah, outside not anything distraction else to kind right. of distract you or to make you feel uncomfortable. Right, I'd no one's watching you. Yeah. Right? yeah.
2: <laughs> Although it must be said that that is how we have gotten some new students. Mm. They walk past. Then they Mm -hmm. back up and they say, what What? the heck are you doing? (laughs) I was just going to say, there's a lot
0: to be said for having the classes (laughs) in the place where the cohort of your students hangs out. So it's important in some context to make sure that the pizza shop is on the street with the foot traffic with a window so you see and smell the pizza. But if you're going to run these kinds of classes, you should run them at 10 or 11 o'clock on a weekday when the only people who would be in the park are your target audience kind of thing. So that's um, a really important point.
2: I would say shifting gears a little bit to point out this sort of thing happened with our – that's how we got our school grant because uh, we actually have been teaching classes, first of all, for a after-school program um, in a neighborhood where there is – you know it's a bit rough, and there's not much stuff to play on. Mm-hmm. There's no, there aren't there are like a few abandoned tot lots, but um, there was a little after school club for kids, and they said, "Oh, would you take them out?" And I was coaching that the first year with Rosie's mom, uh, Elizabeth, who's my training partner, and we had to deal with some MS13 situations. Me and Elizabeth <laughs> <laughs> asked them to move out of our parking lot right. so we could roll around in there. <laughs> Which they they looked at us and then they just laughed and laughed. <Yeah. laughs> but it is kind of funny, like we go in those places. We were asked by the school system to go to a, a public housing project. It serves children from five different five or six mm-hmm. different um, Title I schools. There is there's no playground there. You know, there's a park that's just a bunch of dirt and right. a fence. And, you know, they took me in there. They said, can you do anything over here? Because we don't know. I said, are you kidding me? You got a drainage ditch over there. You got a low wall. <laughs> Ooh, a rock. You know this. Know right <laughs> <that>. <laughs> <laughs> so we have been there now. We're in our second year working there with the kids. And they just love it. And it teaches them that they can play. Mm-hmm. There's spaces there to play. We, we had the same issue there, that park. There were some characters playing out in there, uh, hanging out in there when we would come, but we'd just come in with our broom and sweep off the patio section and move them along. So, you know, it's about kind of adapting. Yeah. Adapting to the environments. They've been very happy to call us in for some of those sorts of situations. And we are, we're just thrilled to be able to to help with that, and that is a that is a grant program for us. That mm-hmm. was another grant that we got. So
0: it's become a grant program after mm-hmm. I don't want to say the effort you put in, but after you develop that relationship, then they said to you, "This is again." Alexander did the same thing. They said to you, "Hey, we see this opportunity. We'd like this, you know, to work for you."
3: Mm-hmm.
0: What else? Do you want to talk about the study? Well, take you can talk about, the, actually, a,
1: in terms of locations, we also taught in a nursing home where most of the participants were in chairs and couldn't get out of chairs. So really fun ways to kind of get balloons and sticks and have them play. And a lot of, a lot of them would just sit there and watch you and say, I don't want to participate. But by the end, they were all having fun and laughing. I think the big part is laughing and having fun, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, you don't have to be as mobile as a 20-year-old. You could be in a, in a wheelchair and you're not, mo- not be able to stand up and still get a really fun workout.
2: I agree, Jean. And I think that that is a big part of our classes that sets people at ease. I mean, there is a lot of humor as we're doing our class. In any parkour class, you know, when you try to do a movement, like I was talking about earlier, that that <laughs> squat thing, and then I fell on my tuchus. You know, everybody laughs, whatever. You go on to the next thing. But we have those, maybe they're not quite so dramatic, but we have moments like that in our PK Silver classes, the same things. And they just... It's very funny. Everybody's laughing.
0: Yeah, humor is the great equalizer. If you can laugh at yourself, you can go <laughs> anywhere, right?
3: Um, you should just mention how your commitment to serving the community kind of put you in the sights of one of, you know, the grant person. And that's how you got the one program yeah. because of some, a lot of volunteer work.
2: I would say that this is how all our programs have started, but this is specifically for the kids' programming. Uh, it was uh, Elizabeth, Rosie's mom, and I were working with a specific group of kids. I was very interested in this group because my background is English as a second language, and I have taught families from that particular neighborhood in the past. So I was very excited when they asked us if we could do anything for them offer a couple classes a month and um, Elizabeth was very nice and said she would do it. We thought oh my gosh, you know, we don't, we have not purchased any curriculum. We had our certifications, which gives you obviously an idea a of progression, right, a yeah. perspective
0: on But um,
2: we have designed all our own curricula for all these different classes. So you know, I kind of laid one out for this one and we just kind of tested it and uh, we did it with those kids, and we we gave those classes to them and it was it was seeing those classes and hearing about those classes and the recommendation from that that after school care mm-hmm. facility that is also a non nonprofit that led to us working with a similar uh population of kids in another area of the city, yeah,
3: hard work pays off and <laughs> I yeah. would say that we have- own
2: hall
0: right now. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And earlier you said that, you know, um, you were saying that, you know, that the stars aligned, you know, with certain things. And I just feel like it's been that way quite a lot, not to discount any hard work, but it seems that we have been pretty lucky and, you know, in general in our in our, in our our story.
2: Well, I would say uh, that, you know, what's that saying? Fortune favors the prepared.
0: Or the bold. I think
2: yeah, the yeah. Chinese
0: also say fortune favors the bold. Or the prepared.
2: And, and we have been there and... We are still giving those free classes at that first place, mm-hmm. you know, and now we have our first level three Woof Woof certified coach is basically instrumental in running those. I still go down once in a while, but it, he and a couple of the other coaches are running it now, and we're on a different level of uh, – you know, parkour with these kids. They mm-hmm. are they are really amazing. I mean, when Elizabeth and I were teaching it, we kept it on the ground and they had a lot of basic problems with motor, you know, like gross and motor cor- skill- yeah, yeah. skills. Yeah, skills and coordination. They, they are not in a neighborhood where it's safe to play outside. So they did not get a lot of time outside. So we were working a lot with that the first year. And now this year we're getting more into a lot of vaults, a lot of games what are a lot more you know, getting them up off the ground. So mm-hmm. it's it's really exciting to see how they're progressing.
0: So we've talked about the programs that you've been running and the places that you've gotten into, how you've gotten into that. What, can you talk about the study that was actually done and what, maybe how you had to change the PK Silver curricula to fit into that? And, and maybe like who helped you with it and, and the results is what everybody wants to hear.
2: Um, I would say that when we started, it was very surprising to me how much the university had to know about parkour before we started. And this is something that I have been unable to confirm. So I don't know 100% if it is true, but I am pretty sure that the PK MOVE study was the first one that has been run by uh Institutional Review Board, Mm -hmm. which is a special panel at a university that is looking out for the welfare of the participants. I
0: think they review the design before it's approved.
2: So they had to see every spec of this study and it couldn't be like, oh, today we're doing vaults.
0: No. No. What vault? Which order of vaults?
2: I mean, not that we do vaults. We actually don't do vaults in PK (laughs) Silver. But I'm just saying we we had to detail exactly what we were doing for them they had to look at our videos they mm-hmm. were they i i think i went in there four or five times to be interviewed to be by them percent, yeah they yeah. wanted things explained and uh it really their questions drove changes in the curriculum as we were preparing so we realized gosh we have to get between the coaches we knew what we needed to do generally, but we weren't very strict about how many repetitions we did of each thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So now that has all been, it was really Sean Hanna that took that, I would say it was a bit more shadowy or it had a lot the of wide, leeway. coach the wide
0: line. roadway, the leeway yeah. for coaching choices, right?
2: Yeah. And he really... Uh, narrowed it down and made it very specific and measurable. That's the thing that you're looking right. That's for. That's
0: what that board wants. The board wants to know that it's safe and that it's going to be measurable and reproducible.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you guys have anything to add to that?
0: So once you once the school set that up, then can you like walk me through like how did it work generally for?
2: So the hardest thing was getting participants. We, once again, we're so lucky with our community. Uh, the Delray Business Association was very helpful, and we have a local newspaper called The Zebra, and they ran free advertisements for us calling for study participants. The university also posted for participants and... Um, Senior Services of Alexandria, because we teach classes for them as well. They, they uh, shot it out to all, all these, their people. All these relationships you've mm-hmm. built, right? <laughs> we put it on every listserv we could think of in the city. And, you know, it was kind of attractive free classes. You get free eight cl- and you get your, you get eight free classes and you get your fitness fit, assessment. Yeah, your fitness mm-hmm. assessment.
1: So uh, it was good. We had a lot of people want to do it, but the, criteria was so narrow that a majority could not be yeah, there. Can you walk
0: me through so I I know I answer the advertisement okay. and I, I show up at, at the door like how does it work?
1: Go ahead Nancy want to talk about for the things study, that you I'm can't do. Yeah. So the way it would happen
2: Craig is if you wanted to be in the study you would contact Dr. Wong or myself, the university or me. And everybody that went right for Dr. Wong, he would just forward their information to me anyway.
0: <laughs> <I> <laughs> so see that how was this kind works. of
2: funny. So then I would Ask them a few questions over the phone to make sure that they met the gen- that one hundred and twenty minutes. Right, because be, some people were They need
0: to be not active, yes. and there's a specification, and they need At to be a, a non- certain age, non-smoker.
2: Non-smoker. And uh, I forget now what the blood pressure was, but a lot of them didn't know their blood pressure anyway off the top of their head. And between 60 and 80. Mm -hmm. Now, PK silver, we actually say 50 up. Mm -hmm. We don't have an upper age limit as long as the doctor approves of it.
0: But the panel at the school probably had a 60 to 80, right? So So, you have like a basic sieve that you ran all these things through and then people show up somewhere at a certain time?
2: So then they would meet with me. We would... I met people all over the place. I would have some general calls, like, I will be at such and such rec center between 10 and 12. Please come down, fill out your forms. Um, The university gave me a blood pressure cuff. So I took their blood pressure and recorded it as they were applying. And then they had to fill out all these forms.
0: Like a health history, right? Yes.
2: And those were things that we could not see. So I basically would – it was very interesting how it worked. I had them fill out our forms, our waiver. We have a PARQ. What's a PARQ? That's a I f- know,
0: but you <laughs> unpack.
2: <laughs> it's a physical activity readiness questionnaire. Okay. So they and of course the mm. other the other forms they were filling out were much more detailed, but we had them do our regular forms anyway. Then they had to do all the university forms. So I would have their name, address, and contact info. And I would assign them a number. Mm -hmm. And then on those other forms, I would just staple them together and put their number on the top and just give them to Dr. Wong. So I never saw them. And then he would keep those. And after he did the measurements with them, the fitness assessment, he would record those also in this packet, which he keeps it. They
0: store that somewhere. So that's the before snapshot. So for each person, I mean, you need their contact info so you can teach them. But then the university captured that fitness assessment and their medical history. And they probably also ditched people who were over the blood pressure, like if you're not in the right range. So they did another layer of vetting. So how many people, and you don't know which ones were in and Uh, which ones were the control, but just generally, how many people did you end up ultimately working with?
2: Uh, It was very interesting because we had well over 200 people apply for this study.
1: Mm -hmm. But they needed to be in town for eight weeks. That's Mm -hmm. the other thing. They had to make every single class. And so we happened to be doing it during summer like end of summer. So a lot of people could not do it because they couldn't be be at class oh, okay. every week. So at the end of the day, we barely
2: squeaked in because we even had people start and then drop out because one lady got skin cancer. I mean, we had things happen to people, you Mind know, while in the, <laughs> you know uh, but we ended up with the bare minimum needed to get through, which I believe was 30 people, 15 in the control and 15 in the... Active group, the exercise group, Yeah,
0: the intervention group—I think they yeah. call that. So that was the board's minimum.
2: Yes, uh, he said. Uh, Dr. Wong was telling us. Um, well, we could have still run it, but um, it would it would not be published, right?
0: The because it would be don't too, count yeah, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I mean, still, obviously, we need a wider sample, but. Um, so then yeah. you took
0: those, so then you have 15, I mean, you probably started with more than 15, but like, roughly you, yeah. have, you have 15 who are going through, you don't know which you're going to survive. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you start, to so you have these 15 students and you run them through, it's eight specific classes where you know exactly what you're going to teach. You run them through those classes and then they do their final assessment. So it's really all the hard work was up front in getting them in and lined up.
2: Yeah. yeah. But, Just getting them to come in scheduled and to come in for their assessments. And I would say I did the lion's share of those, but sometimes I couldn't go and then people would have to pop in for me and do intakes or whatever. You guys both did that a few times, but it was a lot of admin work Mm -hmm. that normally, you know, like- Yeah, you wouldn't have
0: to do that layer.
2: No, that's the kind of thing that the university would pay for or- a par, like if there's some parkour organization, they might pay for that. You know, that's why you have these studies by for yoga and dance or whatever, because you have communities that have a lot of money and can fund this stuff. I mean, I'm sure we could have stats out the wazoo that looked great for, for everybody's program, but the problem is either funding it, which it's, you know, when you think about the hours that we put into this,
0: yeah, for those research assistants, or I'm going to put that those administrative assistants, you sound like you needed one or two full time people. Yes,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it ended. We did have a few graduate students that helped us, and I should also call out to uh, the Lorton Volunteer Fire Department because we had to have we had to have people that were not connected to us to run the st- to run the fitness assessments and sometimes even the graduate students weren't there to do it or Dr. Wong hmm. you know he's like oh there's too many people so yeah we had a fire department the EMTs stepped up and helped us at some point so it's pretty nice it's been a really nice uh, community effort and uh it's it got our it got us really out in front of everybody i think
1: um for I still get people asking for the free study classes, <laughs> and we ran it twice too. We did do the study class twice to increase the numbers. Yeah, yeah, unbelievably,
2: we lost the most people in the control group.
0: Huh how do they fall out of the control group? Like, just what like, did they have to do?
1: Just like, to, work out like <laughs> some yeah.
2: people did not want to, basically they, they had to abstain from taking oh, a class. Oh, oh, like if I go yeah. for a
0: bike ride, yeah, exactly. I messed yeah. up.
2: Okay. Well, they could only do up to 120. Right. So, so. some of them came to us thinking, I want to turn a new leaf. I want to start an exercise class. This oh, is and, new, then stick and
0: then you the control. The, the school well, sticks them in the control uh-huh. and like, nope, you have to not turn over a new leaf for eight weeks. And
1: like, no, I'm yeah. going by. Yeah. And yeah. I, see, I, see. And I, I, I even volunteered to do like private training for them after the study was over kind of give them the incentive kind to kind not, of not do anything, them, right? But, start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, they, but it's, you can't beat when someone's uh, motivated to. Right. So. Well, we had
2: some weird yeah. things. One lady got pulled down walking her dog. Another person got in a car accident. Like just things happened, but it was weird. More things were happening to the control group
1: than, (laughs) Um, Go to parkour (laughs) class, otherwise you're going to get get wiped out. (laughs) (laughs) The control group got worse and worse.
2: (laughs) But it was kind of funny. Anyway, yes, that was a long, that took up the bulk of a year, didn't it? And uh, when we came down to the wire, it was the control group people. You that know, we were trying to see, are we going to have enough control group people? Or are we going to have to run this a third time? And I thought, I can't go through this again. Mm. But luckily, it it we had the numbers and we said, you know, we're going to stop here. I mean, we're not going to try to beef it up anymore. Just get it done. And then we'll... They're already talking about doing another, then, the next study.
0: And of course, the question is, what are the results and, and what, what, can, what can you draw conclusively from what was accomplished?
2: The thing that was so exciting to us is that they made a statement saying PK silver is beneficial for older adults age 60 to 80 who have been exercising 120 minutes or less. It makes a big improvement in their cardiovascular health, as well as some other numbers which... I'm sorry I don't have them off the top of my head but they were specific movements that they're odd because they're not specific movements that we teach but they increase their strength in them as oh, part of moving around. That
0: must fit, must have fit that their assessment was based on that and that was something that they had set up probably based on quality of life like can you do Yeah, this I think or? there
1: were some subjective su- subjective questions like that too. So it wasn't always measurable. Terrific. Yeah. yeah. So that was uh, very exciting. And then
2: we uh, the next step is to hopefully have the the study published. So it has to be put into a paper and published by the university. And as we're waiting for that, we found out from Dr. Wong that the university had submitted it to the American College of Sports Medicine uh, World Congress for a presentation. And it has been accepted to be to be uh, presented there.
0: And where, do you know where that conference is going to be held?
2: It's in Florida. We, I believe it's in Orlando. And it's uh, at the end of May, end of May, beginning of April. Yeah. Is that correct? End of May. Yeah, I think that's correct. <laughs> so um, we're really, really excited about it. We um, We did not see that coming at all. And if anybody doesn't know about ACSM, Gene, maybe you can tell some more about it.
1: Oh, the American College of Sports Medicine is probably one of the most renowned fitness organizations and they kind of set the standards of working out and um, with recommendations. So yeah, it's very exciting. It's really humbling that uh,
2: I, I would say since we started this crazy thing, every step, I say this to the ladies all the time, every step, like when we first started, I was like, "Okay, let's just try to test out some curriculum on Family and Friends, see what we're doing." Then we thought, "Okay, we're going to try it. We need insurance. We need to get legit." So we had to get right, get through all that those step. first
0: approaches and figure out a choice. So. Then
2: we got through all that. Then we have to figure out, you know, at the same time, we're trying to figure out where we're going to have our classes because uh, we don't have a gym. We we really look at uh, the movement creative as. You know, a model for that because they, they have classes all over the place. And we thought, well, why should we pay that money and get, get, make ourselves a slave to that building? You know, we want to be going out to the people. It just fits better with our mission of, of what we want to do. But every step we are somehow like we just don't give up and we just keep trying to find a way around those obstacles, Craig. Gotta work that <laughs> in. <laughs> You're preaching to the choir. Everybody who's listening is like itself, yeah, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lots so, of obstacles. How can we get over our obstacles? And
2: and then basically we the, the reason we went down this road with the study is that we were applying for grants, grants for kids or equipment. They don't even ask for a qualification sometimes. They just have to fill out the grant and you got it. If you are trying to train any group that is fragile in some way, uh, like we've done work with uh, people with Down syndrome, you have to show that you have a safe program. And the only way you can show that is by having an evidence-based program. And we had been running, you know, some kind of little fitness assessment before and tracking it and, you know, we we keep notes about, oh, we shouldn't do this, you know, or this hurt their feet or whatever, you know, taking things out and moving them, asking Sean and Jean, you know, what we should do. Oh, this person has a hip replacement. Can you give us some how should we handle Variations, that? Right. Yeah. And um we ended up that we found that we are not going to get any grants because we don't have it. So I went to the National Council on Aging and I said, what, what do we need to do? And basically, I was kind of stalking them. Like I was going to their meetings and <laughs> whenever <laughs> I could to learn more and more about other evidence based falls prevention programs and how how they got there. I, you know, pulled the people aside. Can you tell me? Like, how did you, do, you do that? You know, how, <laughs> how did you start that? <laughs> and uh, there are so many different ways and so many different programs. But um, it ended up that. They kind of – there was somebody on the National Council on Aging who was a professor at Marymount, um, but she said, you know what, just contact the universities, tell them what you got, see if somebody bites Somebody's on looking it.
0: for a research yeah. project, right?
2: And that's where we ended up with, with Marymount. Hmm. So it was lucky. we ha- We did have several universities asking, and I haven't told you guys this yet, but yeah, we are – you know we're in DC now as well. We are not super active there, but we've been doing some things now. But we may be headed to New York City for our next study. So that's coming up. But we'll we will see. We have to be careful about, and this is part of our problem. We are still like I am not paid for our bookkeeper's right. not paid for. Overcommit
0: yourselves, right? Yeah. Now.
2: So we have to get uh, that part of it settled here. We we get a lot of. Offers to do this here, do this there. But it's like that is so much money for us. And mm-hmm. we're trying to be stable and make a lasting, we're trying to be into last. I'm working all these slogans in.
1: <laughs> so, one lucky thing also is that I was talking about doing the senior project, and someone said, you know, um, Steve. Steve Gurney is like the senior specialist in the area. Turns out he's also a snowboard instructor at Liberty Mountain. Mm -hmm. So I talked to him about it and he got us to speak at some of the senior um, meetings that they have for the um, organizations. And so that was really helpful also to kind of get out there and let people know what we do and kind of that that we're available. So he said once we have this evidence based study published, then he can get us back in again. Yeah, exactly. It'll be, yeah. Yeah that was uh
2: that was very interesting when i think back to our very first times when we had to give presentations and you know now we just go up now you know i can go up and talk to a group of people i don't and do a little demo by myself it doesn't bother me but we were so worried about that we had the three of us went and we Jean did the talking, right? You were up yeah. narrating uh-huh. the thing, and, and Rosie showed what a parkour movement would look like if she did. And I said, Now here I come. <laughs> yeah, <it." laughs> exactly. But I think it was so
1: good for them to see because they, they immediately start thinking the parkour and they're thinking, What what, what right. You rooftops, know, right? Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it showed how fun it could be and how, how manageable it is, too. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that that is a
2: great idea for uh, people that are looking to break into this field that. You can, you've got to go where these organization and business owners are meeting and, and get your information out there. And they're, I, I think those are free, aren't they? Those meetings that we go to are free. I mean, a lot of these meetings are free. I have gone to so many neighborhood meetings. Can I talk? I mean, I hate to say yeah, this, can but I have I'm, five
0: minutes to talk about, right?
2: Yeah. And they, people actually call me the parkour lady. When I walk around. I call I, you a lot worse, things. Yeah. <laughs> well, we won't talk about that. But they they do. Like, they'll say, oh, it's the parkour lady, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I am just, oh, okay. But I, I've spoken to so many groups in this area now, small groups of people, and just trying to get the word out that everybody can do it. You know, yeah, I'm doing it. Look, it's the good for is, you. you know, right? Yeah, come on out. And so it's, uh, you have to go out to the people. That's that's the thing.
0: Let's also talk about the pop-up, the PK Move Pop-Up Parkour Playground. So can you tell me, like, what is it and what do you do with it? And then also how did that come to be, like, some of the pieces that went together?
2: So uh, we were not using equipment per se. In fact, that was our original mi- uh, vision, was just to use objects in our environment. But we found that as we were teaching classes, okay, it would be helpful to have some stuff and uh, just to give us more options. And then we were invited, I want to say, by the city because we were thinking about buying some equipment. We were looking around and at that time, there weren't that many people making the kind of equipment that we were looking for because we really needed something portable. And I saw that equipment from the movement creative and... I guess I, when did I first meet Jesse? I guess it was at, I don't know when I first met him. I can't remember, Jesse. You
3: met him at Beast Coast, oh, I was gonna
2: think. Say Beast. That's, that's the he, likely place. He was place. at your
3: house at
1: Beast Coast, but.
2: I met him at Beast Coast.
1: <laughs> 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 okay. You a in her
2: head. You met him at Beast Conception. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> so you, you met, met Jesse having seen some of the pop-up playgrounds that they have built for the movement creative.
2: Yes. And so um, Jesse has become a big mentor for me personally and for our organization. And he really encouraged us to follow this route with the city parks and rec, because that is what he has done.
0: Right. So the challenge there with parks and rec, as I understand it, is they wanted you to Like have them buy equipment, or like you weren't going to own the stuff when you're done, so you can't. They can't. It's not yours to do whatever you want with. You're supposed to use it for their programs that they want to then pay you to deliver. So I guess that was that like a interesting decision for the board to make. Like, do we want to own this stuff, or do we want to just be beholden to like using their stuff? And
2: yes, this was a big decision for us to make, and uh, it's kind of interesting that with other parkour gyms or Mm -hmm. organizations, you often have a head and then you just make, that leader makes the decision, Mm -hmm. whoever is your executive director. But that is not how it works in a nonprofit. Everybody has a voice on the board and we have to go by the vote. So it was a very interesting discussion. I think it was one of our, uh, it was a serious uh, decision to make. And in the end, we decided to take a chance and it, it really worked out well for us. It is our, the program that brings us in touch with the most students, so we get the the most students. Last year, we were up to almost a thousand students coming through our pop up playgrounds uh, events alone.
0: how many of those do you do? Did you do that year?
2: Uh, so we did. We're contracted to do four. We have to do four, um, but we do many more than that. Uh, we do. We bring it to certain areas of the city, which they don't have good play facilities for kids. Right. And we run our programs there. We also did a, we had the Movement Creative come, they came down because they were running a, pro, uh, a fundraiser, Water for Africa mm-hmm. with no obstacles. And they asked if we would like to support them to with that. Ad, and right. we did. So um, we ended up working that event with them. It was really a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with that. So we did five last year official ones. And then we had probably at least seven more mm-hmm. that we did either as a class for classes or a bigger event. Like we did a summer camp, remember, for the the kids at Charles Houston. Right.
0: So that the city winds up owning and caring for that equipment and storing it. And then you or do you have the ability to just like, can we borrow that? Or how does that work?
2: Uh, no it is in our contract because we raised the funds for it that um we are the sole group that can use it. Okay. Right now I have a bunch of it here. There's a bunch of at my house because we've been taking it in and out, but um there is a facility where we have another
1: section the of, rest it stored, of it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then
2: we have the, you know, the combination for that so I sometimes take stuff back in and out, but
1: and our group is trained to use it, and they or they're not. So we don't want anyone just you know haphazardly throwing yeah, it together. You can kill yourself like, with an yeah, ex- piece yeah, exactly. of pipe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: So that has been that has just led to a much closer relationship with the city, and uh, they decided to to apply to be a speaker at a conference, another conference, and this is kind of. Like totally blowing our minds that we have two of these happening in one year, but uh, it's the City Parks Alliance Greater and Greener uh, Summit. It's an international summit out in Colorado this year, and they are they were selected and they are going to speak about uh, our pop-up playground.
0: So they're going out to talk about this program that they're running, which of course is going to have your name all over it, right?
2: Yes, yes. So I, you know, I quickly called Jesse and I said now we're going to be telling them it's your equipment because we don't make any equipment we're not into that and I said you're you're likely to get some orders <laughs> <laughs> okay. so hopefully that all works out but Jesse and the movement creative have been so supportive of us they actually gave us a bit a big in kind donation when we purchased that pop-up playground in the first place so we would just like to say thank you to them for their support and belief in us really from the beginning it's very nice. I, I just really think that this arrangement that we have with the city is something that more gym should look into to doing, to, to setting up. I don't think you need to be a nonprofit to do it. I think that really you, you just need to contact your parks and rec department, and it may be a way that you are not going to get – you know, you're not going to make a lot you of money off of You can't show up with an ask.
0: I want this, 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 and this, right? You have to show up with an idea yep. and a you plan.
2: Sh- yep, show your plan, Show figure. get your budget, figure how much you have to raise. It's not going to be that much money. You know, these pop-ups are usually, now more people are making them. And uh, I think uh, Jesse has a, I don't know what his prices are, so you have to call Jesse and see and, <laughs> and find other. I think Mark Turok has some uh, equipment as well mm-hmm. that are, that's really uh, portable and nice. So I, I would say that, and there's probably more than that, but you have to go and, and find out the budget, take it to them, figure out how much you would have to raise for it, and I think you will be pleasantly surprised that it's a great way to get more customers in and just introduce parkour because a lot of people don't even know what it is.
0: Or and if they do know what it is, they have the wrong vision. They have the wrong idea of what it is. Or at least we all we all think. People in the parkour space think they. I wish they had this vision to go take that vision to them and show it to them.
2: Yeah. So I think that it's something that other people could easily replicate. They should. They should go out there and do it. So we also wanted to mention that uh, there is a company called Pop Up Parkour, and we have we did end up buying their set separately. It's lower. And it's better for well like lower height. Like the lower the height pieces boxes. Are shorter. Yeah, they're very short. It's not it's it's just been really good for our kids programming and we have used it a little bit for our, our seniors as well. But uh, it's very it packs together with a mallet and I can I can bring four boxes. In the back oh, of my flat. car they
0: pop apart and flat pack in your yeah, car yeah right? they're
2: flat and I keep waiting for like are these gonna work like how many times can I hammer these together <laughs> but they're doing great so um and they're they're fine for our adults go on them and they've they've been working out really well so that is another uh a set that we do have now also
0: we we kind of, i sometimes I ask people like you know what's a road that you think you should have taken but you've actually Done a couple of those where you're like, well, I'm not sure this is the right thing, but let's go with work on this. But it turns out to pay. So you've told a couple of lines like that where you guys have taken something that was more difficult than you could have chose, or more challenging, or more risky. I oh, go
3: ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say the kids program was a little bit controversial. Um, you know, obviously the the program that we're well, the program that we're currently doing with kids does fit into our uh, our mission um, because they are. Uh, lower income students who would who do need an athletic outlet during their after school program, um, but we have been pitched other programs. You know, there are all, always people who are like, "Hey, my kid loves climbing. Could you do a program? You know, for us at our school?" And if it doesn't fit the plan, you know, we're not really just trying to take care. You know, teach all these kids. Right. We wanted to fit our plan, so we've been very lucky that this One Kids program fits our plan and it is also one of our biggest uh, sources of uh, revenue.
1: (laughs) But we could also (laughs) teach in those schools and it could be I know people. I know someone who has an aerial studio who has a profit side and a nonprofit side. I mean, it's it's where where they make money off of one group and they can fund people who can't afford it. Right, it's and more think, like a
0: triangle of <laughs> this right, supports yeah. that supports this.
1: And, and so we could we would could, we've talked about going that route and maybe having some classes where we actually could be our profit makers from people who have the money, mm-hmm. and then that could help fund your mission, our mission, right? right? right. And Which we do idea, actually uh, have
2: we do yeah. have one uh, private school that hires us every year to do a few things and that's a nice little infusion you know it's not a regular gig yet i can see it possibly becoming that but um yeah that is the trick and that is one of the things that we are shifting this year because we are asked to do so many programs Mm -hmm. all the time for all these special groups and we wish we could do them all but we have to we'll burn out we're we want to do them if we could, but we you know we all have other jobs, we have our lives, you know, and we can only give so many volunteer hours a week, so um, that has been a challenge. There was one uh, program that I wanted to talk about, which will kind of shows a uh, how we operate and also how we came up to a little bit of a corner, and we're kind of staying there right now, but. It's our PK survivor, we call it, and we got to change these names because it's too many PKs. But it's our, <laughs> it's our, it's our class for cancer survivors and their families, which of course is a big deal for me personally. We had a really cool thing happen. We we're involved with a nonprofit that uh, is run by my surgeon, uh, my cancer surgeon, and he basically is raising money to bring medical care to treatment and prevention for underinsured women right here in our area. So once a year, and that was probably our first big event that we ever did, we give an obstacle course as part of their walk. They do a one-mile walk and then they have our obstacle course and maybe a couple other things. And. It's been awesome because we ra- we help raise all this money. We give our time to do it. We actually worked with Sean and we developed a special curriculum for like this event for cancer survivors coming through. We're getting like hardly any cancer survivors come. We maybe get one or two when we, when we do this event. All the rest are kids. That's it. We just get kids coming through. Once in a while, we'll have a few adults come through, mm-hmm. but mostly it's just kids. And so... Um, We have gone into this program. We have had Inova Hospital come out to our class, our PK Silver class, and say they have approved us. They say, you are approved as a provider by our hospital system. And that is a huge hospital system. That was a big deal and a big honor for us. But the fact is, and this is where Gene steps in and reins me in. And I'll let you say, Jean, what... what and this is a critical part of how we function because a lot of other parkour gyms would say, oh, we got that. We're going to go for this now. We got the green light.
1: Yeah. And if we don't have the background in cancer and post-cancer treatment, we can't just go out and teach a program. It's not like taking a move and just making it a little bit easier. There are things that people they might not be able to do or they shouldn't be doing or they have to avoid doing. And so until we have that background, I don't think that it's... Right, for us to put a program out and say we can help you. Now, maybe years down the line, obviously it's different, but right after, we really don't know what to do. And I think Nancy was saying that when she was released from treatment, it's just like, go, go be active. And it's just like, well, what does that mean? So I think that that's something that we are looking into approaching, getting our certifications in cancer treatment and, I mean, the post recovery. And it's, I think it's a great avenue for us to go down, but right now we don't have the resources. Yeah. But that is that is an example
2: of how we had great interest. We set up a model. The opportunity
1: appeared, right. We
2: had the opportunity. We now do two major cancer events a year. We were at National Stadium in DC this past year and they've actually reached out to me again because they loved it so much. I mean, that was pretty pretty awesome. And that's the kind of thing like our team loves that because it's the first parkour ever done in the Nationals Park. And it's a new stadium and it's a big honor. You know, there we are in D.C. But we didn't get paid for it. And it was exhausting. I remember you guys were coming back from a jam from somewhere, I think. Because I remember you had to leave early. And I was thinking, and and Elizabeth and I were like, are Vic and Rosie going to get here in time? Because you were driving down. And uh, we pulled that together and it came out really nicely. But... That's not how we really want to do things. So we, we're pulling this back a little bit and we're, we're, we're keeping it on the back burner, I guess you would say. So we'll just have one or two of those events a year because they're free. I've had people ask me. I've had, we have had the space set up, the people ready, but we have not done it because we do not. And this is Sean and Jean. They are my final stamp if they don't give me the stamp then we don't do it because we don't think it's responsible and a big part of our organization is that we are and our mission is to give something give this the best product that we can and we're we're serving special populations special needs populations so we're truly going to give them something that we have backed up by science and by coach training and everything else, we're not just going to go in there and think, I know everything there is about parkour. I can teach this class. I'll just adapt it. No, you need to have this other training as well. Oh, so actually there is something else we could talk about how we structure our... So we have that first eight-week PK Silver class, but we actually have three other eight-week sessions during the year. So you have four... four Kind of sessions, mm-hmm. you know, so the one we're in right now is in the winter, and we're inside, so we're able to do more things on the ground because we have the mats at uh, Menarca and also at the rec center. We put out the mats if we want them, but at the the other points of the year we fo- we have different a different focus of for each, each of those sessions yeah, right? for each of those sessions, and it's very nice. We usually try at the end of the eight weeks if we've missed a session for weather. You know, we have a few extra weeks in there we where we'll pop something in. But then we always try to end with a jam. And we usually literally call it tea and jam. And we bring a mug of tea and everybody brings something to eat. And we have our regular class and then we'll have a little picnic or just something. So those have been kind of cute. And we have – it's been different with different groups. Sometimes we just have a regular session Sometimes we'll set up equipment and we'll say, well, go ahead and just move through this. Let See them how you jam, do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but um that is really we're kind of restricted on that with our being outside and how we have to run the classes. So that would be probably called like an open gym. And we haven't quite gone to that level yet. So we always are kind of watching and keeping it we say only do things that we learned in this class like in the first half of the class or something like that so because it's amazing these students even though they're older adults when they once they get into it you really don't know what they're going to do
1: just like in any in, parkour in any class right situation right, right? yeah I always say that this is payback because Nancy was that that student. All of a sudden, she's like <clears throat> over there doing something like, what? That's not part of the class. And poor Sean, who would have to cut, rein her in. And now she's having to do the reverse. And I'm mm. like, welcome to Sean's life for three years when he yeah. had you.
2: <laughs> it's true. That's true. Yeah. I'll, I'll admit to that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Nancy, in the middle, in the middle yeah. of the table is a small plastic duck, rubber duck. Oh, it doesn't squeak. It does
2: squeak. Come on, man! There you go. Okay, what's with the
0: what's with the duck?
2: So we have a really hard time remembering how we ended up with this giant stuffed duck. I don't know if it somehow came through my little through uh, Kate, my little daughter. The reason
3: why you got the duck was because you saw the three eggs in space statue, and you wanted to make a video. (laughs) That's right bust
2: in it was a giant there's a giant egg okay sculpture and i just thought it would be really funny oh to
0: just, have to a giant a, duck just to put it just to have a foreground. bird sitting on it like right. it laid
2: it <laughs> it's kind of one of these where you do something to an art piece but you don't it's kind of like a yarn bomb, except it's a duck bomb.
3: Yes. So early on, maybe even before PK Move was created, Nancy and my mom, Elizabeth, they they were always training partners, and they were training outside a lot. And Nancy is quite the amateur videographer, so she made a little – a funny little um, video of them just kind of jamming around, and there's a duck on a statue. It It was – I don't, silly. yeah. I, it's like, non, I, I don't, I don't know. If, right? Yeah, I don't know if there's a story in there at all. But, um
0: but so that's one incident with a big yeah. duck on a giant egg, and, and then they, how to what, that that doesn't explain the. They, no. they made
3: a few more after that. They made a few more videos, and then they yeah. just had the duck around, and then and then the duck started <laughs> to
2: take the place of a ball when we were at class, and it right away it made sense because it was so soft. And if you missed it and it hit it, you, it's not going to hurt you. You know, it's this big, soft, plush duck. And it was easier to grab onto because it had the wings and everything. We've had to do a lot of <laughs> surgery on that duck.
0: And it doesn't roll away. It if doesn't you drop roll it, it's, away. It's just <laughs> place And dead. plus,
2: it is silly and it makes everyone laugh, you know. So we ended up bringing it to almost all our classes. Every age group likes it. But the thing that we've kind of attached to it is the idea of a a rubber duck, we say, refuse to sink and make waves. So those are two like mottos that have kind of, I think within just the last year, we started to attach those more to the ducky. And uh, yeah, we're hoping to get some merch out this year (laughs) with our ducks
3: on there and our mottos. It's hard for me to kind of uh, think about how can we make those water-related uh, saying some more parkour, he's still trying to figure that out, but it, it's working so far. You know, it's like we can't change it. He's been our, he's been our trade. You know, no our, one's questioned our, it. Our right? No for one said years, why so do you have stuck around. <laughs> know. Now well, we're just trying like, to explain it. <laughs> I saw
0: it, but I wasn't going to ask. <laughs> yeah. like, ah, there's a duck in the room. <laughs> we also
1: have your love balls that, that oh like yes, a hit of,
2: everyone loves yeah. to play with our love balls, Craig. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, I'll have bite. Have you seen them? <laughs> no, I haven't seen your love balls. I'll bite.
2: <laughs> so there is a company that makes these ginormous beach balls in different shades of pink mostly, and they have the word love on them. And we brought them just for visual effect to uh, one of our events, I think it was a breast cancer event, and it kind of gave people something to do while they were waiting to get into our obstacle course because usually we would have a line. And they have ended up being very popular, and we've worked them into. Uh, it's like a five foot wide
1: beach, beach ball, ball. Yeah. It's yeah. In, gigantic, in hot, and then a few of pink. them, like,
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's been a lot of fun. We we bring it to some of our How classes. Do you
0: blow that up? Oh, no.
1: What, a, what a oh, pump. this year? She, oh, okay. This year she she says, Gene, do you mind, go, do I mind blowing them up? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I, I'm late. I guess this is my punishment, but I'm going to take them over and blow them. She's like, oh, go get, go get the pumps. Go so get like, oh, right. uh, Thankfully, she didn't let me blow them
2: <laughs> football.
0: <five-foot> <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs>
2: Anyway, those have been a really big hit, and they have they have served as obstacles that people have jumped over and rolled over. We often use them on a like a big parachute and do things you know those kind of games where you mm-hmm. throw the ball up and people can run under and and just moving them back and forth or we all lay on our backs and pass them around with our feet, feet, you know,
1: something like that, so
0: yeah, but it facilitates play, and it's an unusual object that makes people laugh, which is yeah. two great things to do in general,
1: yeah, that's why like we, we were in idea fit as, as, of new, new ideas, and they had this nice little I don't know if you have it still, but little thing about how little blurb about how it's about bringing childhood back, you know, and playing, and I think that's kind of what we bring, which is really fun, which is different from most other classes, right.
2: Yeah, I think uh at different gyms there are different uh there's a different vibe. And also between coaches, right? Mm-hmm. So some are very serious and more into Regimented. training the te- techniques, yes. yeah. And there there's um, you know, there's complete validity in that. That's just one way of training, right? And ours, we are looking at people who are just like dipping their toe in the water. And it's a big deal for them even to get to our class even if we go to them, for them to get up and come in the room where we're teaching can sometimes be a huge deal. So we are, we have a certain order that, you know, first safety, everything has to be safe. Second, it's got to be fun, fun and engaging for them. And then the last thing is the parkour technique slash fitness. So, you know, sometimes they're moving around and we're thinking, "No, oh, they're not really quite doing what we're trying to get them to do." But you know what? They're up and moving around and having fun and, and you they're know, moving. Yeah, we're, we're yes. going to get them there. We're going to yeah. get them there. But um yeah, that's that's kind of our philosophy. So Yeah, trying to
0: encourage that idea that they forgot so they don't even believe in themselves anymore. So first they have to rediscover movement and that's a hard first step. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So one of the things that I say all the time is I love to collect stories from people because hearing people's passion that they convey in their stories, it always tells you something about them as well as the story. So I'm wondering if there's any story that you guys would want to share. I'm really interested in sort of the dynamic of how the group of the three of you works and if there's anything in that area that you would want to share.
1: I think um, the past three years, Nancy and I have both had a lot of physical Challenges, right, with the breast cancer, and then she had rotator cuff surgery, and I dislocated a shoulder and had rotator cuff surgery, and then I had did the other side a year later. Did you so, dislocate
0: each other's shoulders, or is we this? Did,
1: yeah, <laughs> it was over the of shoulders. shoulders. <laughs> yeah.
2: So we used yeah. to say if we come at
1: something, <laughs> like I had my left hand, she had her right. <laughs> yeah, but but now it's both. So, but it's great because if one steps, can't do as much, other people have stepped in and, and mm-hmm. taken over. And Rosie's been healthy, Knockwood. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we have been
2: really blessed because we have interests and personalities that get along really well. They often have to rein me in because I want to do everything like right now and I have all these ideas and they're so great. And they always tell me, uh, kiss, Nancy, kiss. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. always comes up with me. What do you think
1: about inmates? Should we be doing inmates? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about this crowd? What about this? And it's like let's let's keep with silver right now. We'll- let's
3: keep it silver. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I
2: have that going, but that for for some reason I just keep. I can't help it. That's how I see things, and so <laughs> but that's why we're where we are
1: too. Because she does see things.
2: It, it's true. I I I see something and. I think it is inherent in that parkour training, and you you get that that mental you know you know the if vision, you if right. you if you hit the wall, you know you're going to get over that wall eventually. You just have to keep finding a different way. You're going to figure it out. Maybe it means Jean's going to come over and put her hand out so I can step on it and then scale up on it. I don't know how it's going to work out, but we're going to get over that wall. So um, I am in in that. Mode of it, and that has been a little overwhelming for me as far as all the stuff that goes along with running a nonprofit. I had, I've worked at nonprofits, but I had no idea of everything that that goes on, and uh, that has been overwhelming. Not just running a business; I've never run a business. I've been a teacher, so I really had no idea, and I still. Some things are still a little out there for me, and we're just very patient with each other. I think, and we just talk through stuff. But all those account, all the books and the accounting, oh my gosh, that gets uh, very—you don't want to know how the sausage is made, right? It's really so. Anyway, but I, I would like Jean to talk about what she, how she warned me at the beginning of
1: what it was going to be like. Oh, because I've been in the fitness world for 20 years, and I've seen group fitness directors and how they have to arrange everything and make sure everyone shows up. And if it snows, what do we do? And do we open? Do we not open? So I told her in the beginning, if this goes the way you want it planned, you're going to be a group fitness instructor, A, I mean, the director plus an instructor, plus having to run the whole gym, which is why I've never taken the step beyond being a trainer and being just do, teaching group fitness, because I've seen how messy that gets. So I just Kind of try to warn her a little bit in the beginning, and, and, but, and yeah. that didn't work out at uh, all. The yeah, ever. I know. I don't <laughs> listen
2: yeah. to that. You know, yeah. I was sure it wasn't going to be like that. Yeah. But yeah, it is. It's it's exactly like that. And she's doing a great job at it too, though. Oh, like, thank you. Know. you. <laughs> <laughs> and Rosie has really been unbelievable from the beginning. She, I would say, like when we when we got that curriculum from Sean, and we had to coach it. Rosie really took the lead on that and made that come off the paper into the thing that it is
1: now. You did. Yeah. You did. You did a lot with it. I also think that. in three years, you become such a, a great coach. I mean, she didn't have the back. You didn't have an experience in really teaching. And I mean, you were great in the beginning, but boy, the improvement too. Just,
3: yeah. <laughs> I have noticed some things and I'm like, whoa, gosh, I don't know how I got Through the first year, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, guys. Mm -hmm. We have, I think, worked really well with getting everything off the ground, and uh, like I told you, we have we've worked on our strategic plan uh, for the next three years, and we have already things are happening that I didn't know how we were going to how they would ever happen for us, and they're happening in the first few months of the of our fiscal year. Mm -hmm. So we are. Almost gonna be downshifting a little bit here. We're gonna be focusing in on PK Silver. Like
0: regrouping, right?
2: Yeah. We're gonna um we're gonna work on really getting more classes going and trying to get more partners as a way of spreading our program. I'm not sure exactly what that's gonna look like yet. Like I have some ideas, but um it's gonna be a lot of work in the community and just networking and trying and these two. These two events, these two conferences are going to go a long way in getting us out mm-hmm. in front of people. So we're also looking for those basically angels. Um, this is one thing that we are very, like, like fundraising angel to come with us. We, we have, as a community, we just don't have all that much money. So when we turn to each other with our GoFundmes and all this stuff, we're all having our hands out, you know. We all and we, everybody, like we. I hope we all get it, you know what I mean. But we're just like passing money to each other. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like we are focused on trying to get other people outside of our parkour community involved in what we're doing and helping to fund our programs that's a that's a big part of our mission going forward.
0: And of course, the final question, three words to describe your practice.
3: Parkour for
2: all.
0: Thank you very much ladies. It's been a pleasure.
2: Thank, Thank you, you, Craig. Goodbye. 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 <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>
0: This was episode 34. For more information, go to moversmindset.com slash 34. I'd love to hear your questions, comments, or suggestions. Send an email to team at moversmindset.com. If you found this episode at all useful or enjoyable, please tell your friends. And there's more to the Movers Mindset project than just this podcast. Visit our website for more free content, to sign up for our newsletter, or to join the Movers Mindset community. Thanks for listening.